First, I'd like to give a special shout out to my sister-in-law, Yanu, who was the inspiration behind this episode. She reached out to me last week and challenged me to use my uh, my platform to spread this message and lend my voice in solidarity of ending SARS. So here is my assignment all done. And thank you so much, Sis, for that reminder. And I'd like to encourage everyone in the diaspora, especially there are many ways you can be a part of this initiative. You can donate to the course. You can tweet. You can send out messages. If you if you're in a place of power as well, you can engage lawmakers directly. Also, make sure you stay to the very very end of this episode because I have a very special treat for you. There is a bonus track featuring stories from Nigerian youths who have had one form of encounter with SARS officials. And the idea behind putting the stories together is to put some personal anecdotes that might help give or lend an understanding to just what we are up against when we say in SARS and the kind of reformation we need. Now enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome to the More Simple Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Today I'll be talking about a very hot topic. There's a movement going on in my country, Nigeria, this month actually. But I believe, like with so many people, that it's been a long time coming. And the movement should not respect a a huge protest and a movement that we're hoping that it's gonna lead to long-lasting changes in how the country is being run which will end up being a good thing because it i mean change change is about time we have the change in nature and to do justice to the topic at hand today which is the issue of the special anti-robbery squad also known as sars i have with me a young dynamic and promising young lady from nigeria who also happens to be one of the active protesters on the streets of Lagos. She's also a lifestyle blogger and media personality, and she's very passionate about facilitating community-driven events. She's also the host and producer of the 20-somethings rant podcast, which you can find pretty much anywhere. So everyone join me welcoming Jessica Fortunes to the podcast. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Mo. Hi. Thank you. Thanks a lot for um, doing this with me. I know it was such a short notice, but I really um, appreciate it. I'm looking forward to, you know, learning a lot from you and also um, ruling out the discussion today. So I thought that the first thing to actually get us started with would be talking about the history of SARS. And so I'll just add a little bit to it. And if there are any cracks in my narrative, Jessica, um, please feel free to kind of like fill in no problem oh thanks so from what i read is it's it was a branch of 
the Nigerian police under the State Criminal Investigation and Intelligence Department, which is the SCIID, and it came into being in the 1990s. And this squad was created as a faceless police unit that was supposed to perform undercover operations against crimes that were associated with armed robbery, car snatching, kidnapping, cattle rustling, and crimes associated with firearms. And it was founded by a former police commissioner called Simeon Danladin Medinda. And the reason behind the formation of SARS was a Nigerian soldier was actually killed and it led to, like, killed by, allegedly by a police officer. And of course, soldiers versus police caused a lot of, you know, kerfuffle. And that led to vacancy in policing. And within a few, two weeks, I think, when there was the absence of police, um, the crime rates increased and SARS was deployed as a way to fill it in. And it's, it started as a way to help people feel safe and combat armed robbery. But it's since evolved into destroying the very thing it sought out to protect. So I don't know if you had any questions to fill in that, Jessica, as far as the history of SARS, because I wanted to lay that template down for our listeners before we go into what the movement is about. Well, I think you did a great job on that. <laughs> you basically said everything that I have read about it to I mean, It was this issue of NSAS that actually got me reading. And you have basically said everything. I think the only thing would be, it started in 1992, which I think you mentioned that already. 1992. I wasn't yeah. specific though, but yeah. All right. So yeah. yeah, so that's it. You've done a great job. All right. Good. So I think we can, next thing we can talk about is just the incidents. And if you want to get us started and I can, you know, talk about what I've heard about it. I know that when, every time I'll go to Nigeria, my friends here will be like, did you get stopped by SARS? The first time someone mentioned that to me, I was kind of taken aback because I'm like, why would they want to stop me? And then I went on Twitter, which, you know, is the source, the fountain of all knowledge. And I, you know, put in SARS and oh my gosh, I saw a lot. And so that kind of got me a little bit worried. And I do have a family member who's, you know, being a victim of them so this is a little bit personal for me as well so um i just wanted to ask you like what do you think sparked this whole movement because i know it didn't just start today there's been a lot of incidents and a lot of people you know being manhandled and falsely imprisoned even killed maimed by these you know so-called authorities okay so like you rightly mentioned isn't just that I think NSAS has been, like, it's been a trend since a while. I think on Twitter some days ago, I saw Sega Link, who oh, yeah. is someone on Twitter that Nigerian youths actually call on when they have, like, incidents with police brutality. And he was mentioning that he has been pioneering that conversation or that movement for a while before this month, which, when it blew out. So that's to say that, it's actually been a long time coming. But then I can't really say what particularly happened in the month of October this year that blew everything because yeah. it was just another day on Twitter where there was a video which came online and went viral where a young guy, I think that was on the 3rd of October to be precise, yeah. a young guy of, I can't remember his age, but I know he was young and he was shot in broad daylight by a SARS official. I know it got everyone talking and it just brought back that NSAS, NSAS again. Every, we, I mean, it wasn't the first time we've seen videos like this. We've seen it happen mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. But this time around, I think 
people were really angry. And then first we had Naira Mali who came out to say, oh, he's going to hold a protest. And so one thing led to another. He decided he wasn't going to host it again. He canceled it and instead had a meeting with, with the police on his IG live. But then somebody else took it up, which was um, Runtown. Oh, yeah, Runtown. And then later, Files contributed saying yeah. he's also going to be on it. So both of them on the 8th of October, to be precise, that was on a Thursday, they went on the, you know, the protest. And that happened at Lekki. And that was like the beginning of it all, because after that, subsequently, some people went to Alausa, which was the... Um, Lagos State House. Since then, different things have happened. There's been protests in different parts of Nigeria. I think we just needed something to happen to spark it up. And having Runtown and Fowl started and say, okay, we're going to do this, just made every other person realize that, okay, we can actually do this. And then with the fact that as we continue to protest about this, there's still so much brutality police brutality happening you know it just makes you wonder we're fighting this still you're bringing in more you know one would expect that when you somebody fights back yeah you would at least hold on a bit but no despite that you know they still come back i mean just today i saw on twitter that um those who were protesting in ocean state yeah, right from the governor's convoy yeah. they shot at people who were protesting this is what we're protesting against and you're still doing the same thing. So I think that alone just makes people really mad, angry, and it just keeps the movement going because it's always a new story and you just know that you cannot stop. So I think it was just everyone waiting for that one moment for someone to move. And thankfully, we had Fowls and Runtown to do that. So that's what it's been so far. It's always one thing, because if I think about the Arab uprising, the Metron guy setting himself on fire, and how that no pun intended sparked like a huge movement. And I know that, like you rightly said, there's been a lot of deaths you know, linked to SARS, but I think after a while you kind of dusted, like, you know, it happened now. But then I think, like, we know every day for the thief, but then one day for the owner, right? And I know that according to CNN reports, like, Amnesty International has documented at least about 82 cases of police brutality. Yeah. And I'm and like 82. That's, that's, that's a whole lot. It's, I don't think it's the actual number. I, I think it's a lot more. It's in the local government or the whole of the country. And this is between 2017 and 2020. I think it's way underestimated. They, yeah, you know, because so many things happen and we never hear about it. I mean, yeah. I'll say thank God for Instagram or Twitter and internet and social media that's really exposing everything happening right now. You know, somebody could just take a video and post it and it goes Still, viral. Yeah. And everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But imagine when we didn't have that, right? So many things must have happened underground because SARS has been in operation for over a decade now, right? Yeah. So yeah. you can only imagine... Yeah. They are this way right now. You can tell you that it's been coming for a long while. They've been at it for a while, but nobody probably knew because nobody was taking videos or something. But the funny thing is that, according to report, they've actually killed more young people or more, more young people. The number of young people who have died from these people, actually more than the number of people who have died from some other things. And, you know, and it makes you wonder, how can the police that's supposed to be protecting Protect, people yeah. be taking that much life? 
I mean, it's just so crazy to think about it. I mean, that's that's really quite sad. And like, and I think it's a perfect time to say going to, you know, the target demographic, and it tend to be people that are young, and people that don't fit into the conventional mode of, you know, how I think Nigeria for the most part is still kind of conservative. So we're not talking mm-hmm. about those that have like a nine to five work life, and maybe mm-hmm. those that have like dreads or you know have tattoos, have you know tattoos. piercings or you know, have certain cars and owning a laptop can be mm-hmm. on iPhone or just dressing up well. And most of these end up to, to be just yeah. being tech entrepreneurs who don't follow this, you know, regular conventional work. And there's been some other um, allegations like raping of women, mounting illegal um, roadblocks, arrest without warrants, people, you know, detained mm-hmm. in police in cells for like years without any form of hearing or even letting them know what their charges are. And of course, extortion and killing, outright killing. And so it saddens me because it had to take this monumental movement, which I really adore and I think it's about time. But it saddens me that it had to take a lot of lives being lost for this to be brought to a global attention. And I was wondering what you had, what what your thoughts were about that. I mean, first... I'm actually quite excited about what's happening at the moment. I feel like you've mentioned it was a long time coming. But then, like you've said too, it was, it's also quite sad that so many people had to die before we got here. But then I think, like somebody mentioned today, there just comes a time where, where everybody gets tired. There just comes a time where you start to question certain things. There just comes a time where you you no longer want to be part of the you don't want it to be part of the what's that um regular you know you yeah. don't want you know there's just that moment that happens because when i think of it this video we saw yeah luckily the guy didn't die funny enough he when he was taken to the hospital and all of that but then you would want to think what exactly was special about this video it's to me sometimes i really feel like probably there was a god factor to me i feel like god was working i'm not trying to be a religious person right now but in my head i'm just thinking what was special about this one video i know this particular guy yes what was special about this person what was different about this viral video you know it just makes you feel like there was probably a shift that was meant to happen for nigeria at this time at this point in time and though it is sad that many people have to die, yeah. I think it's 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 great to see that we're finally standing up for them. Because even if you say oh, so many people have died, yeah, but mm. then we're standing up for them. I mean, yesterday was the candle night. I saw that. Put out the pictures. Died. I saw you know, all the names. So all yeah. of that is like we're fighting for them, and so yeah. they serve as motivation for us to keep going. You know, when you hear the story of the girl who was just standing by her mom's shop and she got shot by yeah. a police officer that makes yeah. you as somebody who's still alive and fighting just want to keep fighting i remember that no now that girl's death could not could not just go like that you know yeah. and he just you know he just brings but i think like it serves as a motivation for us actually it just gives yeah. a motivation because when you want to stop getting angry and you remember you get angry again <laughs> so i feel like he was just a bit, unfortunately yeah a lot have died but I feel like this is a moment for us to finally get them to rest in peace because I feel like they probably will have not been resting in peace. But yeah. probably with all of this, they know that we're fighting for them. They know that we we want things to change for the future. They'll probably be happy and 
hopefully many more in future would be saved from having to go that path too. So, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, I think the anger is very well justified and it's, it's a very healthy emotion to show. And the, mm-hmm. the goal is just to have a better future for everybody. And I think yeah. I permit me to be a little bit bold because I, I mean, living here in the U S we've had a lot of protests against, you know, police brutality, black lives matter. I want to think that perhaps a little bit of courage or a little bit of leaf was borrowed from the Black Lives Movement to kind of spark what's going on in Nigeria. Because, you know, it's not just even in Nigeria. In um, Namibia, for example, does that shut it all down? Protesting against femicide and, you know, rapes and all that. And I I feel like, yes, I mean, it's a small country, but a lot of the women have been, I mean, a lot of women have been, exposed to gender-based violence and so that's that's also another movement that has been sparked and i just wanted to ask do you think black lives matter as a movement is something that and to a lesser degree has kind of followed that passion to keep advocating for injustices in nigeria um i would say yes i would agree with you i mean i haven't thought about it prior to now but now that you mention it i think you do have a point because i remember that since all of this has happened, you know, so many people have been calling on blacks in the diaspora, you know, Nigerians abroad to say, why are you not lending your voice to this movement? Because and most of them keep, or most of us keep referencing to Black Lives Matter. You were very, you know, probably no people who were really very outspoken then yeah. and, you know, came out to protest and did all of that. And we're wondering, um, why are you not protesting right now? You know, I remember somebody on Twitter said, okay, doing Black Lives Matter there was a logo on Twitter or there was a there was an emoji created by Twitter specifically for Black Lives Matter. I know somebody said, okay, Nigeria is protesting now. We want our own emoji. So I think some courage has come from that. And I think it's like a wake-up call for like Blacks in general, you know, Africans in general, probably finally deciding that we can actually fight for the kind of life we want. Because yeah. just like as a person, you know, you determine that, I want to have a better life. You know, as a community, we can actually fight for a better life. So Black Lives Matter actually taught us that if we want it bad enough, we can actually get it. You know, it gave us courage to see the things we can achieve when we actually come together. It gave us courage. You know, I think during Black Lives Matter, we saw individuals, influencers, call out brands. And right now in Nigeria, I'm seeing people call out brands. I'm I'm seeing people say, oh, we see you, you're not supporting us. So, you know, I'm seeing all of these trends that happened during Black Lives Matter come to play right now. And I think that all of that boldness, one, could be attributed to internet, social media, all of that. I mean, I personally have been dragging certain people and I know that if I see them in person, I might not be able to drag drag them. (laughs) You know, know, like social media and, you know, all of this influence of things we've seen in the past happen with other protests have actually influenced. So I think I agree with you on that one. It has definitely played a role for all of us in general. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I think a little degree will be the, the restlessness that comes from being at home, you know, shut down for a while. <laughs> and then you realize that, no, like, there's got to be more to life. I cannot go back to this other kind of life, you know. Exactly. Like a reset button. Like, uh-uh, we're, we're done. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody right now is just chanting, enough is enough. We've enough is enough. enough. Enough is we're enough. We're done with that life, you know. We're done with the generation where our parents just felt yeah. enough. We could take anything. Now, 
we want more. In fact, now I'm eager for 2023. I want to see what's going to play out because I know it's not going to be easy like it was has been in the past. So yeah, 2023 being when we finally get to vote in Nigeria. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine that you guys are gonna um, go and master the voting booth and do justice. But before then, I hope that, <laughs> and we're going to talk about that later on. Just having more youth be more active in governance. Because going to vote mm-hmm. at a poll, there has to be a lot of things that will have been done before then. So making sure that the right candidates yeah. are supported. Because the way politics is in Nigeria is mm-hmm. all about Godfatherism. I mean, a lot of young people don't have the money to yeah. pull together to be able to start, mm-hmm. you know, talking about, you know, showing up as candidates for yeah, some of these positions. Yeah. yeah. So there's so many things that needs to be done a priori to that voting booth. I was also going to just mention this that. We've had a couple of protests in Nigeria. So there was a show where one, there was the false subsidy. But this time around, I, it, it feels a little bit different. I mean, because, I don't know, this one kind of hits home for me. But I feel like it's a lot more organized. And whereas in, in the other protests, they did have a purpose. There's so much clarity here, even though there's not like one person heading the protest, which is so counterintuitive. So in addition to demanding the release of all, like immediate release of all people that were arrested during the protest, they came up with a five for five. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking about justice and competition, setting up an independent body within 10 days to investigate and prosecute all reports of any form of police misconduct, even demanding psychological evaluation and retraining of operatives, SARS operatives before they can be reemployed or even sent to another police unit. And I think the final one, is you know adequate remuneration of for the Nigerian police. So I'm curious to know, like, why do you think this particular protest feels a little bit different than the ones we've had in the past? First, I would say again, so I would go back again to how we started. You know, it wasn't just one person who sat down and said, "I want to protest today," like Shore, who has been on the revolution now, right now, and he, you know, he he probably has this idea of something he wants to do. But not everybody in Nigeria understands it. I personally don't understand it. I mean, I was arguing with somebody the other day. I don't know why Shore is always protesting. I don't understand it, you know? <laughs> or the other one you mentioned, well, subsidy, which yeah. affected everyone too. But then sometimes I'm like, mm, it had to happen, you know? Sometimes we're like, okay, it needed to happen. Okay, not. You know, it was quite, we didn't have one voice, yeah? Mm-hmm. But this time around, everybody understands this. There's like, without actually speaking, you understand what it means to see somebody die and Mm. be wounded. Everybody has feelings. Everybody knows that the gun with a policeman is what makes him so ruthless. Is what makes him just decide that he would kill anybody. Everybody understands that feeling of pain. And most especially the young people understand it because we're the ones on the streets. We're the ones who are probably freelancing we're the ones with our laptops. We're the ones who probably have dreads. We're the ones with piercings. Like, we yeah. all understand it. Like, it's like you don't necessarily have to talk for you to feel it. Like, we can communicate merely. You know, just think about having someone with guns stopping you while you're traveling. You don't need so many words to understand how that could go back. You'll probably, yeah. how that could go down. They'll probably ask you for money. If they don't see money, they're probably going to try to rape the person. If they don't kind of rape the person, they're probably going to try shooting. You know, like, it can go on and on. And almost everyone, at some point, has encountered it. 
So I feel like that 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 understanding amongst everybody just unifies it. And then the fact that how we started again, it wasn't just one person sitting down and deciding today I wanted to protest. Yeah. It, it was like everybody was just talking, everybody was just talking, and then one person went, and then the next person went. For instance, today I saw a video of Fino flavor and all of them in the east you know and they're really just coordinating and it made me so happy it's like even though i'm not there with them the fact that i understand i understand what they're saying i see what they're saying i get it i you know it just i don't know it just makes you so happy and we, we we really just in sync, you know, the people in the east, the people in the north for the first time in Nigeria. I know, right? I was gonna say that it wasn't just a Lagos protest. Yeah, your tribe. Yeah. No, it's yeah. like everybody protesting and we're all saying the same thing, you know. I saw the video of Flavor and he was speaking in Igbo, but he was saying the same thing that Faust is speaking here in Yoruba or Funke <laughs> saying in Yoruba to Yoruba people and SARS. We don't want SARS. You know, it's like we're all speaking one voice, like one time, this one time, everybody's saying the same thing. And that understanding alone is what makes this beautiful to see. That that part that we're not fighting against each other, we're not saying this, 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 everybody's speaking with one voice. Like that, to me, is what makes this protest different and really why I feel like we have to win this. We have to win this. That was, you know, that was very well passionately stated. Thank you so much for that, Jessica. Now, another question I'd like to ask you is this. So we've talked about just how this is a little bit different from other mm-hmm. forms of protest. I can give reasons why. So um, Nigerian youth have always been known for Twitter rants. You know, they've even been nicknamed the Twitter warriors. But this time they put their mouth where, you know, their hashtags the were. Is, you know? Yeah. They back their tweets with actions by coming out to Sorosuke. Now, aside from protesting, <laughs> professionals among them, you know, those that were from like lawyers, doctors, mm-hmm. musicians, designers, caterers, social media influencers, everybody grew together to, to offer an immense form of support in an organized way. Are you surprised as this show of solidarity? Um, well, I think, yes, I was. Because I remember that I work with a media station, right? Yeah. And I remember that the first day of the, the tweet, uh, sorry, of the tweet, of the protest, protest which was the runtime and April oh. day, which mm-hmm. is on the 8th. Mm-hmm. I remember going on our platform and shouting, guys, oh, these people are really serious. So they are really doing it. So, you know, I was really, really <laughs> excited. And I was like, oh, Tiwa Savage is there. Tisco is there. Um, Tokyo Makiwa is there. You know, I was just typing and telling them, okay, we need to go. We need to mobilize and take this thing serious. Because... We didn't go on the first day because, well, we don't know if we are going to cancel it. We don't know what's going to happen. So we didn't bother. But on day two, we were there at Alausa. Yeah. So, yes, it came out as a surprise that everybody was coming out. I didn't know what to expect because, sorry to say this, no disrespect to Runtown, but he's not like the, 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 how like with the person, the first of reason, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. You see, and you see why I think like this is so different because... <laughs> He, he was like the least person we would expect to start it and people would come out for. Like the Moses. So that, <laughs> you know, that was like, it was, it was shocking. And then I feel like as different people started to go out, he just started to push every other person to start to go out. And so he has been so far, I would think that anybody or any influencer or celebrity who has yeah. not said anything is cancelled, in my opinion. Because like, <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so happy so far that even though we're not talking here, yeah, you know, some days people will, some people would go 
another day some people will not go but there's always people there's always, always people, people there. and there's a lot yes. of people yes I mean, exactly you know it's yeah. like we're it's switching it but still we're always there showing up i mean yeah. i was there yesterday today i'm not there i might try to go tomorrow or monday but one thing is for sure there are people there, there are people there without us talking without us saying anything we're not giving each other signal or saying the time but we're just there just you know and it's just so beautiful to see it's just which is, which is the most surprising because the way they used to treat us like we couldn't even come together and do anything. And this time yeah, around, we have no yeah. common leader. There's nobody we're collect- we're taking directives from. But things are getting done. You exactly. Know? Yeah. You know, and like I think that thing where they say Sorosoke is exactly. We finally <laughs> decided to Sorosoke, and we finally <laughs> decided to take to the streets. And you know, I think we finally realized our numbers. You know, I think Africa strength think, in like, numbers. Yeah. Africa has like the youngest population in the yeah. world. I think sixty five percent of Nigerians are under forty. That's a healthy that's you know right. working force right there. Mm-hmm. So I think we finally realized that and we finally decided to put those numbers to action. We finally mm. decided to go down the streets. Because I feel like the online is just as important as, as the offline. Because online yes. is where how we're making CNN know about it. How mm-hmm. we're making Jack who came to support. I know Darcy, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel mm-hmm. like you're both important and we're, we're winning on both sides. You know, we're, I mean, I saw a picture of Ozzy Oshibanja the other day and he literally, he literally had a printed printed sweets on his table. Like, these guys are actually seeing our sweets and they're even printing some paper. So that's to tell you that even when while we were Twitter warriors, they were shocked and they were surprised at all the things they were, we were doing, which is why they wanted to do the um, social media bill ban. I know. The yeah. So now it's like, even though we're there, we're also good offline. Because if you take us offline, if you take us, if you take away the online, like somebody said on Twitter, we'll all just come out on our street and start shouting, ah, are you protesting today? Are you protesting? I will get back on the road. Even and better. We finally decided to take our power, not just on online, but also offline. And it's actually beautiful to see. So yeah, we're great. Thank we're you. good. I guess who's laughing now? People that were tagging you guys as, you know, Twitter people, Twitter warriors. Yeah, Lizzie Nigerian youth. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I'm sure they're thinking in their head, like, come yeah. on, how did this people do this? <laughs> and they would say, it shocked them. They are shocked. <laughs> do you know that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the U.S. alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Wow, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these retro qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossible podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no farther. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mosible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mosible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. Another question I'd like to ask you is this. So before now, there's been so much animosity against um, towards Nigerian women who label themselves as feminists. People have mm-hmm. gone, you know, as far as calling them members of the feminist covenant. But since the mm-hmm. protest broke out, the feminist coalition have been at the forefront, raising funds, providing legal aids, providing medical services, even mental health services. 
for those mm-hmm. that have been injured you know, during the protest, sending contributions to families of SARS victims, and still giving daily account of punishment. They ran that thing way better than Nigeria has been run in the past 60 years. Aside this, <laughs> women like, you know, FK Abudu, Aisha, you know, Yusufu, Renu Odwala, Kiki Mori, Model, and many others have aggressively protested and shown leadership during this time. What do you think this has to say about the importance of women in building the Nigeria of our dreams? Do you think this indeed proves that, contrary to popular opinions, women can indeed make leaders who get the job done? I think well, that is already been shown. I mean, what they've done so far has already proven that there's no need to even ask that question. It's like, come on, we have evidence to, to prove, right? We have results to show. Just the other day, just some minutes ago, they talked about a helpline. Even Nigeria does not have a helpline, you know. The public has spent six hundred million dollars trying to set up the logo for the helpline. <laughs> Tell me about it. These people didn't do all of that. So they didn't even have up to 600 million. I don't think they have up to that money in donation yet. See what they pulled out. So we already know. I think what this has proven for me is, you know how history books didn't talk much about women? Yeah. I think something was wrong with that. I legit feel like something was wrong in those. I, I, I start to question the history books, which is like, why were there no women? Why didn't you guys talk very much about what they did? Because it brings me back to the women like um, Kuti, what's her name? Oh, Fumilaya yeah, Fumilaya Kuti, yeah. The only thing we know about Fumilaya Kuti, or the only thing mentioned was that she was the first woman to drive a car. Yeah. I feel like there's so many things so much about her yeah. that we do not know, or we haven't read about. Or I feel like the, about, about women's riot that, you know, it's so mm-hmm. obscure obs- obs- in the history books, yeah. I read somewhere that she was the first woman to slap a white man. <laughs> they made her seem so rebellious. <laughs> you know, but that makes me in my head think like this woman must have done a lot and she has so much potential and there are probably so many things that have been left out in the history books that she did. But you know what and they always say, history is always written by those who are powerful so they can always rewrite it and make it. They can it always out. rewrite yeah. it. So this for me has shown us that when we're writing the next history book, yeah. we need to make sure that the women are definitely all over the books because they've played us in the past, in the past by removing or hiding those other parts and putting yeah. men at. I'm not going to deny that there's been amazing men too. I mean, of course, of course, um, of course. So many people who have been walking behind these women or with them, beside them, in front mm-hmm. and all of that, they've been amazing. But we just need to make sure that these women who have gone, who have been doing the work I mentioned, I mean, I think we should actually have like a book that emphasizes on them so that when history is about to be told in the oh, future, forget. We, 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 forget. We, we have Twitter this time around. We have Jack. And we have videos. We have technology to make sure that all these things will not yes. be lost. Yeah. Transit, <laughs> yeah. So the movement really did something quite phenomenal in that the federal government actually overturned, you know, SARS and the put a ban on SARS. And then <laughs> in a very stupid and immature and just diabolical move they announced another unit called the special weapons and tactics which is SWAT in its place but of course this was swiftly it was swatted unintended swiftly by um protesters who said the government is not dealing with the issues but rather than they're just pointing over the problem and they also set up um, the government set up this presidential youth empowerment scheme ps where they commissioned keke mara which are like tricycles Makeup kits, grinding machines, shawarma stands, gunner oil. Now, to me, it just 
seems like these people are just they're not taking us serious and they don't even know what's coming for them now do you think the government has taken a step in the right direction with what and is this a sort of emp- empowerment young people like you need in 2020 i mean jessica what are you going to use with shama stand and makeup kits tell me about it i don't i don't know where to start from i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't i i really don't know who's advising the president or the governor or the government because there's definitely a problem it's definitely a problem it feels like these people are so out of touch like they they're not in this country or they they don't know the reality they don't know what's happening because it doesn't really make sense it doesn't add up it doesn't first answer your question um what do i think about changing from south to south already we know that they're, they're just trying to play us i mean in in like since 2017 according to reports they have changed they've disbanded sars like how oh, yeah. many, many times, times. since 20 yeah i saw the, i saw the news yeah <laughs> like there's been so many records of disbanded sars and still nothing to show about it so that already proves to us that these people <laughs> they, they've been they've been joking with us from the beginning so i think which is why when the igp came out to say oh with this bandersas and a lot of us including myself I actually thought we were done with it but then somebody brought out a receipt to say no well they did the same thing 2017 2018 2019 and it's like ah uh-uh, ah okay let's start this all over again so already i think because in the past they really felt like it were easy to deceive and all of that now they know that they cannot deceive us that easily now we know what's up if anything you check anything you tell us we're going to go online and verify that that thing is true because in the past they've shown to be very 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 duplicitous they never quite straight you know they say one thing and mean another thing yeah yeah and even the swat you know somebody actually went on to dig to find out that swat had actually been in existence since was it 2019 <laughs> or 2018 so that brings you back to so you're not even just it's not even a new unit you've had it forever you just try to deceive us you know it's like they find new ways to try to deceive us as nigerians and we of course the new generation or should i say the lazy nigerian youth the yeah. digital warriors find new ways to counter them because By the time they say it, somebody has probably dig it up and said that's a lie you're lying there and you know where they say oh you can't tell your elders you're lying now we boldly tell them guy you're lying that's yeah. not true you need to check it and i'm so happy about it i'm actually more happy about the fact that we're getting responses you know even though they haven't done everything we want, want they're yeah. gradually taking us seriously there's some form of dialogue and they know they can't yeah. just shove this under the carpet anymore Exactly. In the yes. beginning, I'm sure they felt like this was a joke, mm-hmm. but as we go and the days go by and weeks, days going to week, they finally realize that we're not joking. And so they're fine. I mean, today I saw um, a video of Sonwolu actually going to pay a condolence visit to Jimo who was shot during a peaceful protest. Too late, too late, too late. As is it like too little too late? I mean it is someone would have expected that this would actually have happened some days ago yeah. but at least now we're holding them accountable and yeah. they're actually doing it so yeah. like I'm happy that they finally started they haven't fully taken us seriously but they're finally realizing that we mean business I mean just the other something ago I was reading that soldiers are coming on the street to do what was that they called it again makes us oh, know the... that even though we don't want that response yeah know that they're feeling us so they're feeling the heat And yeah. so they are looking for ways to probably hide it but then they can't because it's way beyond there right now. Yeah, so you, you can't put it back into the bottle. It's out already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's out already. So they're under the heat. And uh, what was the last thing you talked about? Um, I think it's, the it's like the empowerment, yeah, empowerment for the youth, yeah. 
That's not for the youth. That's that it's not for us. I don't know which you You reject the PS. I mean, I don't understand. What we want right now would probably be for them to take care of the schools, make sure the educational sector. And you know the funny thing is we're not actually fighting for ourselves particularly. We're fighting mm-hmm. for the future. We're fighting yeah. for the next child who's gonna go to because at the end of the day, most of us fighting right now have gone through secondary schools, we've probably gone to through the bad universities that we had. You know, we've We've endured all of these things, and now we're like, you can't keep on going like Mm-mm. this. Now the next child who's coming down needs to have a good class to go to, needs to have good chairs to sit on, needs to have, you know, we want all these things to be better. And I think that's another beautiful thing. We're not necessarily fighting for ourselves, but we're fighting for the future. And and there's nothing wrong oh, yeah. with that. Oh my there's god, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Um. So, I I've I've sat on a lot, thought about it, and. I know that what we see in the police force right now still mirrors what goes on in a lot of sectors in Nigeria. Now, the only difference is that while a lot of people have to go home for months without being paid their salary and have to, you know, hustle and pull out their kids from schools and just, you know, ration meals, a police officer has a gun in hand and he can use that same tool that he swore when he picked it up the first time to protect citizens and turn, turn against the very people he's, you know, sworn to protect. So I'd like to ask you this. Now, among the issues that, you know, it's on the 5 for 5 plan, which I enumerated a while ago, the last point there is actually better welfare and um, remuneration for the police. And I don't know if you came across that Instagram video of the graduate police officer. I think he was was a graduate of electrical engineering. He's been a police officer for 17 years. And he claims that he's been he he's, he earns just under sixty thousand naira a month. So to put it in better context, this is less than one hundred and fifty dollars a month. And he has thus been unable to meet up his with his responsibilities to his family. He even claimed that the government is not responsible for providing any form of health care or even insurance for police officers. And they have to out of that you know meager amount of money that being paid buy their own uniforms. So. While I don't excuse the bad behavior, you know, by what, you know, a lot of police officers have done by using their place of power and authority, but I think it lends some form of understanding as to why we also need to make sure that these changes that we might see that might be affecting police force, it, it also trickles down to other areas, you know, like, you know, healthcare, um, road maintenance, security, every public sector in Nigeria. Because I think it's the same pain point. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about just the statements I just made now. Definitely. I mean, that's why if you look at the five on five, yeah. we actually have these people in in our minds. You know, we're saying increase their salaries. I mean, the other day, Files made a video explaining that 0.5% of every company in Nigeria should be going to police accounts. But then there's nothing like that. I, he also mentioned that 0.5, and he, he did some calculation, really, that shows that the police should actually have so much be funded, yeah. But what we see now, public, yeah. You know, but what we see right now is not the is not the case. Instead, we're seeing um, our, our, our senators and all of that having what you have, hardship allowance, newspaper allowance, going into millions of nairas. And it makes you wonder, what are they doing with newspapers? Why do they have a newspaper allowance? Why do they have a hardship allowance? All of this money should actually be used 
wardrobe allowance yeah all of this money should be used for other things there is so much money to run the government but then the country is actually paying for it i mean when you see all of these people even in their uniform they don't look good they don't look well taken care of they look frustrated i have to say sometimes they don't they don't even look happy mm-hmm. and so how do you give someone who is who looks frustrated unhappy is not well paid how do you give him a gun and tend to go on the street and expect that he would not take advantage or extort other people i feel like i mean I, again like you mentioned we're not trying to justify their acts but then the government definitely has a part to play in all of this yeah. because these people are not well taken care of and i'm happy that in this fight and protest we're actually right putting there. them into mind we're actually talking about them to so say you yeah. need to get these guys well paid they need to be well paid so yeah to me i mean all the points there i thought they were really really good points but that particular last point i thought it was it just it really won my heart because it spoke to the very heart of the protest like why not just shout him just because we do want change and if things can get better it's going to get better for every one of us and i really really yeah. wish that you know i know the problem might not be able to do this because they are public officials i wish the police officers too can actually get in on the protest and protest along i want to think that at the back of their mind as well as the good ones they probably don't want to see this kind of killings and you know unnecessary harassment go on and on but hey just a wish um another point i'd like to make is so and i think we said this earlier on that these days a lot of young people in nigeria are involved in non-conventional jobs where some of them can work from home and um and I, so i was wondering wanted to ask you this how can we explain the importance of flexibility to the older generation who lack a proper understanding of the numerous online opportunities available to this phone pressing generation of youth so for example paystack founders they've just you know their company has been acquired for about 200 million dollars by stripe and that is worth more than phone and dream banks interestingly one of the two founders he's on dreads he has tattoos he paints his nails and i bet he walks around with his laptop is a typical profile target for sars so how if you were to talk exactly <laughs> if you were to speak to the very heart of you know the older generation that might be listening to this you know podcast episode how can you advocate for as being one of the you know younger nigerians about the importance of you know diversity in choosing your career path or what works for you and it might end up being that you're spending a lot of time on your phone and computer but you're still making life happening and yes getting satisfaction from the job you're doing and the services you're providing to people okay so the first thing i would say would be um we need to go away i think our parents or the older generation need to understand that this time is not their time like first thing realize that there's a change there's a difference in the generation i think they they still try to use you know their time and our time thinking they're the same i feel like if they realize that there's actually a difference in 1990 and 2020 and there will be a difference in 30 30 or something then we'll all have peace because so many things have changed but it feels like their ideas are not changing mm. we need to they know they, they need to learn that things have changed we have moved on just the same way they didn't start using gsms or telephones when they were born but right now the girl who is 5 years old probably has a, an ipad she's playing with you know all of that 
yeah. times have changed. You know, I mean, I was walking down one day and someone asked me, oh, didn't you go to work today? I mean, I felt weird. I had to start explaining. Um, I work remote. I'm working. I'm like, just imagine if you probably know that actually work remote you know mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for me to be pressing my phone but actually i am working and i'm going to get paid at the end of the month you know having to i think also they need to open their minds to have these conversations because even as i was trying to explain you know i could feel like she probably thought i was lying you know i could i was getting that emotion of she was probably yeah. Yeah. And then, exactly you know i'm probably unemployed but trying to use excuses and all of that and so it Getting that response or that kind of feeling from her made me, who was trying to explain to her, feel irritated. Like, uh, why am I bothering myself? You're not even going to believe me. <laughs> so the first thing would be for them to first realize that there's been a change. There's a difference between their time and our time. The next thing would be for them to, you know, open up their minds to listen to what we have to say. Mm. To actually reason with us and say, okay, all right. Well, what I mean, the other day I was having a conversation with my mom and I was talking to her about blogging. I mean, in the past, she probably didn't know what blogging was about, what I had to do. Because I was I was seated and then she was talking to someone and then she said, um, I'm a graduate of English, but I'm not using my my certificate. And in my head, I'm like, how can you even say that? I'm a graduate of English and I write, I blog. Yeah. What else am I writing? I am writing yes. in English. I am using the English I read. I am, I you know in that moment I had to say no. That's no. Don't say that. You know, don't say that outside. It's not, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's not great because I am actually using my certificate. No, I'm not working in some office with a big desk because most time I'm at home, you know, typing on my phone or my laptop. But I'm using my degree, my certificate, or going to school was not a waste because probably sometimes they think, oh, you're just pressing the phone. Going to school and the money we paid on that education was probably a waste. But they need to see that. They need to see the change. They need to have these conversations with us. Because I feel like in that moment where we had that conversation, the next mm-hmm. time we were having something, she said to me, oh, you're going to blog about this too, right? You know, I feel like there's been a shift from, oh, I'm not doing this, to actually she's doing this and she's actually getting paid about it. So we need to have these conversations. Also, I feel like they need to see us for who we are. I think one of the days where people had to hide themselves, you know, somebody who was painting his nails will probably have to hide it from his parents. I think now we have become more, I think our generation, the younger generation are actually more expressive. You know, we're not hiding ourselves. We're not trying to be like every other person. We're trying to be independent. So I feel like you need to understand whoever it is, even when you have three children, you need to understand what are their preferences. You need to know that all of them are not going to become doctors or lawyers or all of this. They all have something that makes them tick, that makes them happy. Find those things and then work with them and talk to them and understand it. And I think like we'll all be happy, but most especially has to be the communication. We have to have those conversations, even though they are hard. We need to have them and understand each other and just be on the same path. So yeah, these are things I think would help. Thank you. So mommy and daddy's just heard it. Take a sit and listen, hear what they have to say. Now, um, it's been a long 10 days, Jessica. How has this protest affected you mentally and emotionally, if any? Oh, God. I mean, I didn't think it would have any impact, but it has actually. You know, just today someone called me and she's like, um, Jessica, you know it's okay to rest, right? You know it's okay to take a break, right? You know? nobody's going to judge you and she was just saying from a place of you know love and because yesterday i was really just ranting all over my whatsapp and i'm like what the you know i was really just angry and 
in I just realized that in the last in the last 10 days or in past 10 days I've had different emotions sometimes I'm really angry sometimes I'm really so it has really affected my mental health but I am trying I'm learning to actually take a break I'm learning to actually not be on social media I haven't posted in a while on Instagram and I'm learning to go off Twitter a bit but then yes it has affected my mental health it affected my emotions I mean you know it just gets to me in different ways but I'm grateful that I have people who remind me often and often to actually take a break in between everything so yeah that actually helps so for everyone who's protesting too it's okay to take a break it's okay to sometimes go back and let other people continue and then rest and then you come back thank you for those of us that are in the diaspora what can we do to help in addition to posting on whatsapp having conversations like with people like you through a podcast what else can we do to help with the movement um you can donate you can volunteer you can use your platform, which is what you're already doing, you know, talk about it on Instagram, use the hashtag. You can, um, you know, join protests. I know that people in London, um, America, a few states and all of that abroad are actually having protests. You can actually join that. You could volunteer. I know that certain people are volunteering as call centers with um, the feminist coalition to yeah. help in educating people and receiving calls. You could, you know, the different things. I think those are a few things that you could do to help. Thank you. Use your platforms and just volunteer. As a young person now, you know, what's your hope for the country? What's the plan? Are you, what what kind of suggestions do you have for the younger one? I really think that there needs to be, like the younger people need to take a more active role in governance. So like that point we made earlier on about, you know, going to the, both to, to pull both to vote is one thing but a lot has to you know happen before then so what do you wish for nigeria as a younger person moving on well first i would wish that this protest is a wake-up call and that after this we don't just go back to having life as usual but realizing that we can make a change no matter how we do i would expect that after this we actually those who have not registered for the voters card um, get ready and register. I would expect that we start making plans to have a political party, which is different from the ruling parties right now, yes. PDP and APC. I would expect that the younger generation, I mean, in the last 10 days, we have actually shown that we can lead. You know, mm-hmm. I would expect that we start putting our stance. You know, we used to say politics is a dirty game. But I would expect or I would wish that we start to realize that it's actually the people in it that are dirty. You know, mm-hmm. politics in itself is not dirty. Mm-hmm. It's the people who play the game. And we've allowed people who are older, people who don't really care about the good of this country, rulers for such a long time. So I think it's about time we actually decide to get involved in this game. Yes, they're playing games. But if one thing we have learned in the past 10 days is they're playing games, but we can play those games too. I mean, we have shown them that you've done this, we can do it too. (laughs) You know, we can do it better and we can definitely win. So I would expect that we actually stand up for ourselves and do more regarding Nigeria and love Nigeria more. I feel like a lot of us just feel like, eh, if Nigeria is not working, we can travel abroad. I would like us to take it as our own and really just embrace it and love it and try to build it together. Thank you so much. And finally, would you like to give a shout out to those who have contributed immensely to the protest? Okay, okay. So um, I would like to say a big thank you to everyone who has been protesting. You guys are amazing. I mean, the numbers are amazing online, offline. We are doing the damn thing, man. I'm so happy. I mean, I'm really, really happy. 
the days where I'm really down, I see people still out there protesting and just makes me happy. And I know that, okay, once I'm strong again, once I'm fully rested, I'm going to go back there and join my people on the streets. You know, it makes me really happy. And even when we're tweeting, it makes, it gives me so much joy that we're doing this together. So I just want to say well done, wherever you are in the world. Thank you very much for believing in Nigeria. Thank you very much for participating. Thank you very much for being a part of this movement. I believe we can win this and we can make this happen. All right. So, um, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've learned a lot from you today. And thanks for lending your voice. I love that picture of you just standing there with your placard and just, you know, all the things you and the and other people that we've mentioned today. I want to just say keep up the good works. You guys are an inspiration. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jessica. Thank you very much for having me. All right, guys. So that was the episode with Jessica Fortunes, a 20-something-year-old Nigerian who has been very active in the SARS protest. She's also a podcast host. You can find out about her podcast on Anchor, and her podcast is called The 20-somethings, right? So you can find Jessica on Instagram at Jessica Fortunes. So that's Jessica and then F-O-R-T-U-N-E-S. She's also at that same handle on Twitter and on Pinterest. You can also find her on her website, jessicafortunes.com. And in line with just the protest that has been going on, I want us to, as right Nigerians in the diaspora, even those in, in the country, in the homeland right now, is let's be very mindful. Not everybody can get on the streets and protest in person. And there are different ways of contributing. We shouldn't try to make that point of, my activism is more valid than yours. Some can post, some can you know donate, some can go to the streets physically and protest. Some can have that power to be able to engage with decision makers directly. All are valid as long as it's for the common good. So let's refrain from cussing by energy and taking away from the focus of the protest by bullying and letting people that are not be able to be at the protest physically make them feel less than patriotic well this has been another episode of the more civil podcast do not forget to share this with your friends and family we hope to keep the conversation going and i lend my voice in support of the protest and i say hashtag nsars my hope is that one day the nigeria of my dream will come to a realization and that's a better life for most of its citizenry a nigeria that feels safe that feels warm in nigeria that is a true reflection of its citizens and that's the one and the heart of the motherland. Thank you all. God bless Nigeria and God bless you all. Well, I remain your host, Mosibel. Hi, welcome to this bonus track. I had my assistant, Allah, reach out to a couple of young Nigerians because I thought that in addition to having one of them on the show, it would be very nice and expedient to have them tell their story so you could hear directly as to the many ways this has impacted them, SARS has impacted them. So the stories we'll be hearing are collections of stories from young Nigerians in their 20s sharing their experience with SARS official. And I want to thank everyone who pitched in by sending in their stories. We hope that by sharing your stories, we are able to do some form of justice to the experiences you have had. Now enjoy the stories. This is my experience with SARS. Sometimes in the beginning of year 2020, they came to my room in Oshobo. I just had a loud bang on the door around 8 a.m. 
uh, telling me to open the door, open the door. He kept repeating that. I wasn't expecting anyone, so I was quite scared. I, I even thought they were thieves. So later on, they said they were going to break it down if I didn't open it because they knew there was someone inside. And they actually started, they tried to break it down. They actually started the process of breaking it down. That was when I felt I had no choice. So I went to open the door. When I opened the door, they, was like, they were like, oh, was I hiding? Was I smoking or anything? I was like, I wasn't smoking. Do you smell any smoke in my room or anything? I wasn't doing anything. I was just surprised because I wasn't expecting anyone like You guys were banging on my door telling me to open the door. So it was quite strange for me. So about five armed men with AK-47s entered my one-room apartment. I, I forgot I was in Nigeria and talk less of the fact that I had rights. <laughs> so I just had to comply. So they came in, they ransacked my room, checked my phone, checked my kitchen, my bathroom. They turned everywhere upside down. After they did all that, they now said, what do I do for a living? I was like, I'm a copper. You saw my boots outside before you came in. I'm a copper, I'm serving in a sugar. And I said, oh, okay, that, that I even looked too scared to be a Yahoo boy. That was when they now left. For better context, a copper is someone who is undergoing the National Youth Service Corps, which is a one-year paramilitary mandatory services that every college graduate from Nigeria has to participate in. So the term for people like that is called coppers. And Yahoo Boy refers to, or Yahoo Yahoo refers to anyone who engages in internet fraud or what you call the 419 or the online scam. Now here's the second story. Okay, so my SARS um, experience was actually very funny because it was very unexpected. I had gotten a new phone. I got gotten a new phone. I ordered for the phone online from Lagos because I stay in Ibadan. And I went to the park to get the phone. So I was on my way. I was on bike. I was on my way back, back home. And then just as I was about to enter the express, this golf car just comes and just corners my bike to the corner. And then before I could even know what was happening, three hefty men were out of the car with big, big guns. I was like, ah, this is the place. Because I'm always cautious whenever I'm going out. And because of the way the country is, and because of the stories I've heard, it never happened to me before. Because of the stories I've heard, I've always, I always never carry my phone out. So I just went out that day with just a touchlight phone and 2,000 naira as my transfer fare to give the bike man. So it was very... I'm always thinking about it, that guy, hope you're not going to meet, because it's something that I never wanted to experience. So when I saw them coming out, I was like, it was like a bad dream. But I kept my calm, and then they came, they approached me, they were like, who am I, I should identify myself. So I wasn't even any um, ID card, in. so I told them my name. So they were like, okay, what am I carrying? I said, it's a phone, I just got it. They were like, okay, ah, you have money to buy a phone. I should enter inside their car. I was like, ah, I was trying to like reason with them, they were like, oh. So I entered because I didn't want anybody to, to hit me or anything. So I entered. So they asked me for the receipt of, of the of the phone. I told them that the receipt should be inside because I told the guy when I was ordering it, I told him to pull the receipt. So they checked 
they, they had to open the phone. This is a new phone that I bought. They are the ones that open it in their car on the way to their. They were like, "Where is the old phone I used to make the transaction? Like, they want to see my old phone." I said, "I left it at home. That is dead." They were like, "Okay, they are going to go to my house. I should enter inside the car." So on the car now, they opened the phone. They saw the receipt. They saw the price. Like, ah, so you have money to be buying phone. You're a Yahoo boy. You're a fraudster. You you see today. We're going to go to your house. Can you come? I was like, I'm not. I'm a social media influencer. I make my money online. I advertise for people. I'm a marketer. We're like, that's not going to cut it. Anyway, they took me to their station. We got to their station. One of them came to meet me and was like, I should just do the right thing and give them money. You get. I told him I didn't have. I actually didn't have any because I saved a lot for that phone. You get. I saved a lot and it was. I literally used all my money because. That's my tool. That's what I used to get my money. So I wanted to get a good one. So I didn't have it. If I had money, I would give them. So I would just be on my merry, merry way. But I told them I didn't have. So they're like, okay, that they're going to go to my house. When they go to my house and they collect my phone and they see that this exhibit that I'm not going, I'm going to take me to EFCC, Kenneka, Kenneka. Well, so it was just pretty. And then the next thing you knew, they put me inside their car again. They're like, we should start going to my house. I was like, okay. Me, I thought they were bluffing. But I figured that we're going we're going we're going but i figured if if we weren't bluffing it was going to be funny because if they come to my house they'll meet all my brothers we're all boys at home you get and everybody they has phones there's, there's a laptop there's a ps4 it would be very very bad they couldn't plant something in my house and arrest me for something entirely different so i told them that okay let me call somebody so i called my neighbor to bring my phone i had to call my neighbor she was the one that brought my old phone from the house Get. so she came in fact the women in the police station they are only worst because they took me back and they left to go and capture capture new set new set of boys i saw boys there that were beaten boys that were slapped boys that were harassed i saw boys paying money you get so she was the one that came she called her boyfriend her boyfriend knew one or two people in the police department so it was the one that came i was just shaking the open like they should release me i'm innocent i have my receipt i'm i'm, I'm not doing fraud and everything so they checked my phone it was sure very messy but they broke my they broke my old phone they shattered the old phone in the process one of the police women it was mistake it was a mistake though boy it was shattered the old phone the police people finally came back this whole thing they took they took me in their station i think around three i left there like by two ten so i was there the whole time the the people that took me finally came back and they had to search my phone they didn't see anything went to my whatsapp i wanted to see the conversation with the phone guy on twitter he went there he saw it then he checked my pictures, he checked my notes. He wasn't saying anything, and then he said he wanted to download Hangouts. That like if he downloads Hangouts, he doesn't say anything, he's going to let me. He downloaded it at the end of the day, he didn't say anything, so before he let me go. But I feel like he would not have let me go if I didn't know somebody. If my neighbor's boyfriend had not come and just made them know that at least, ah, this guy knows somebody, because he made some calls too. You get it was now, anytime I go out, I'm always traumatized. I'm always like, ah, why are these people? Because I, I, I didn't dress well. On the day I went, cause I I was preventing stuff like that. You get, I didn't dress properly. I wore just one kind of trouser, one ugly ass shirt, ugly ass palm. You get just so that when you see me, you just remove your iPhone. But it still didn't didn't work. So I was like, if they can pick me up, cause if you see me, you you I don't think there's anybody as interesting as I am. If they can pick me up, then nobody's safe. You get so yeah, that's my story, and I hope it's the last time. I've told God it should be the last time. I don't want to experience that thing ever again. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to wish it for my worst enemy because while I was in police station, my mind was just running through a lot of things. There are many things that could go wrong. They could have detained me. They could have made me sleep there for days. And it's horrible. It's horrible. So I'm happy that we're protesting. I'm actually very glad. So yeah, that's my story.
And here is a third story. I was traveling to Ibadan from Ede with a driver and then I sat at the back. I was sick. I was going to the hospital. So, because my glasses broke and then again I had my strap in that same day. So I was, just, I was just at the back of the car sleeping and then he was driving. Then they stopped us. But I guess he didn't wait at first. Then another one shall stop us at the front. Then they were like, eh, why didn't you stop when my colleague stopped you? Blah, blah, blah. This one, that one. And they were shouting. Told him to come down. They were shouting, doing every this thing and all. But then it was obvious that they wanted money. And he, he didn't want to give them money. Then when I saw that the whole thing was taking too long, then I brought out my phone to call. I still didn't get down. Because I, I just didn't have the strength. Then he said, eh, hmm. Why are you calling? You think that we are this one down? Like, it was just like, it was really, really angry and pissed off that I didn't even give them any regard and I was making a call. And all. So, he said, uh, then he saw my school bag and then he said I should come down. And that they should start searching my school bag. And being that I was old, I had extra pad and pants in my school bag and they were like they brought everything I was said to then they saw my laptop and they started asking for the receipts. Finally they got something to pin on us that hey, I'm carrying a laptop without receipts and this one that one then like I'm not even the first user of this receipt. My dad has used it. My sister too has used it. And now you're asking me that for the receipt. Like I don't even will I be carrying receipt around though that I'm a student I show them my ID card that I'm going to the hospital I show them my hospital card and though still they didn't give us they delayed us for like over thirty minutes or so they're just saying a lot of things. Then I think I I called my dad. Maybe he called someone or I don't even know how they later left us that day. We shall left us after like over thirty minutes. My experience with SARS, on that fateful day, I was out with two of my friends. One was driving, I was in the front seat, the other person was behind. So we are going on the road, somewhere around um, Oha, along um, the Eco Expressway in uh, Delta State. So as we were moving, we got to a place where we saw police, they were checking on the road. They were actually stationed with their car, a Siena, a Siena bus by an abandoned police station. In fact, police station is the bush all around. So they stopped for the answers to park, which we did. They told the person that was driving to come down, asked him what was in his boots. He opened the boots. They checked, nothing was there. And then they were asking him, who are those people with him in the car? And he said, um, they are his friends, because all of us attend the same church. And then he asked us to come down, we came down. So we also asked we were by the car. One tank and driver was passing. And then he just made a statement. He said, ah, police, make could not leave young boys alone. And the next thing, about two of them cocked their guns and ran towards the tanker and shot at his tire. So the bullet touched the tire. Now imagine if they shot at the rim, what would have happened? That bullet probably would have deflected, God knows in what direction. 
Now imagine that tanker was carrying load. What would have happened? So they shot at the tire and then the tanker driver drove away. So since we were on the other side of the road, they now asked us to cross with them inside the filling station and the abandoned filling station. On getting there, looking inside the car, there were other boys that were there that they held. They were inside the Siena. They were discussing. I don't know what they were discussing. So the person that was driving the car now was by the right. So as we just crossed over to the filling station, we just, since it was a bush, he decided to go by the side, ease himself there. So as he was easing himself, one of the police officers said, ah, you need peace for, according to him, you need peace for our office. In my mind, ah, this is an abandoned filling station. So what next what did he do next? He asked the guy to sit down on his urine. That's where he just you finish urinating. I should sit on it, which he did. The other both of us now went behind. One of them asked me for my phone. Collected my phone, was going through my phone, checked my messages and all. Say what uh, where do you work? What do you do? Where do you stay and all? So I gave all the description. I said, where do you stay? I told him where I stayed. He said, okay, we'll go to your house. I said, no problem, you can go if you want to check anything. Then as we were there, he was still going through my phone. I carried the bag, ransacked my bag, going through, checking all the things inside my bag. So I now called the one that was sitting on his right. I called him. I said, "Okay, you you rate him off. Is you referring to me now? Oh yeah, slap him, give him five slap. All that. How do you? As this guy is my president, so how like my president in church and all? How do I slap him? Say slap him, or if not, I will be the one to take the slap." I was pleading and pleading. The next thing was slap on my face. But I said, okay, that's one. Remaining um, four. I should slap him. I was pleading and pleading. The next thing was another slap. So that's two remain three. That if I don't slap the guy, I will be the one to collect all the slap. We stayed there and begging and begging and begging. Mind you, the, the Sienna that they carried, there was no plate number. All the officers, there was no name tag, no nothing. But they were all with guns. So we stayed there, then the third guy they just called him for no reason, contact his phone, smashed his phone, told him to lie down, they were whipping him with wood for no reason. After all and all and all, then I said, okay, we should go. This was after they did not find anything incriminating on us. Nothing, nothing at all. So it was a terrible experience anyway. We just hope that people other people don't get to have to experience such. And definitely last but not the least, here is the final story. Okay, so um, this is what has happened. It's not once, it's not twice. Uh, I've encountered them like three times, three different times. Okay, the first time it happened. So around that time, I was sure, you know, I was going home. Lagos boy now from Ife. I just did go house, they make person look fresh. Because, you know, me, I don't usually go home. School, I'm always uh, doing stuff in school. So I don't like going home, even during holiday trip. Well, this particular holiday period, I decided, okay, I should go home. So, I queued up, wear glasses, shades, bounce, uh, sorry, trainers. So, I was looking like a, you know now, like a fresh guy. <laughs> so, now so I reached uh, Iwurudu, right by the side. I've never encountered them before that day. I just got there. I, I saw two guys. One was carrying a gun. The other one was not carrying a gun. It was the one that was not carrying a gun that came to approach me. It was like, guy, come. Ah, come, Bao. I don't know you. I don't know where you are from. You are not even wearing a uniform. But as he said it, I was like, let me see what is happening. I hope it's not a robbery incident. But because of the fact that, okay, I saw the other one close by too, that was holding a gun. So I don't want to cause uh, too much unnecessary uh, drama. drama. And that was in the open, broad daylight, like maybe like three in the afternoon. 
that the place was bubbling. And then they took me to one corner like that. Well, not corner corner, sha. It's still like within the open. Like maybe somebody's shop. The person did not come to the shop also. They all took me there. They were like, eh, so where am I coming from? Where am I going to? Who am I? Where's my ID card? But thank God for me, Sha. I had my student ID card, so I brought out the ID card. Yeah, they asked my phone. I gave them my phone. Nothing was on the phone. You know, I was not uh, me. I know be that kind. Uh, you know, I know the. I don't have friends that are into any illegal stuff. Fast, I don't even have Yahoo friends. So my phone was very clean. So they just check my phone. Okay, my ID card. Okay, and they allowed me to go. So that was my first time experiencing them. Okay, that was one. The second one was when we were traveling. We were going to Lori from school too. It was for a conference. Lori and then we we had an uh, uh, a presentation to submit slides, but because of the fact that we got the invitation late. In fact, we didn't even plan that we we're going. It was the late hour that we realized that we have to go on our way. I can't even remember the state, yeah, but it's not Oshun State. Is in between Ife and uh, Ilori, but I can't remember the state particularly. So we're in the bus, commercial bus, but I brought out my laptop because I wanted to finish up that presentation so that I can send it to them. So that because they said the deadline for the submission of the uh, presentation was, they should say we should send the presentation. The deadline has already been passed, but they still give us uh, grace to submit. So. Now so they go, now so yeah, carry laptop, come out, start to start to do presentation for inside Bosso. As we just they approach this place, now people don't holler me, say, guy, hide that laptop, guy, hide that laptop. <laughs> we're like, hello, we're wearing suits now, for God's sake. All four of us. Well, I didn't take them very seriously and because they delay for us. They stopped us. They started uh, pickpocketing putting eyes into my laptop, started looking through my, well, I'd not open any browser, so there was no browser on. They tried putting on the browser, they didn't see anything, they checked the history, they were just looking into everything in the app. Even though they saw the way we were dressed too, and they saw that we were looking corporate, like normal woman, but none of us was really dressed, none of us dyed our hair, none of us was looking like a bad guy, all of us were looking normal. They shot delayed us, wasted our time, all those bosses started shouting and all that. So eventually, they let us go. They, they checked our ID card. All the three of us had ID cards. So they checked our ID card and then they allowed us to go. But there were some people that they delayed. They didn't allow those ones to go with the bus. I don't know what they saw, Shah. They shot keep those ones. That was my second time experiencing them. They wasted our time. Because of that stuff, we planned that we were able to get to Ilori before the conference starts. But because of that delay, before we got to Elori, they've almost finished it. They've almost finished the conference. So it was, it was, but it's just the delay, sha. no other thing. That was the second time. Although, yes, they wasted my time when you compare it to what others have experienced. So I think I still had it uh, a little bit easier. A little bit easier. So that's Sha, that's Sha. But, but another experience that I might want to share. That one is not personally my own chair. It's for a friend. They arrested him. Not a friend, a colleague, a work colleague. They arrested him. He had to sleep in their cell till the next day. In fact, he called me that they've arrested him that night. That I should tell my boss, that you tell Oga, because not the same company we work. So he called me that I couldn't reach Oga, that they've arrested him. Come and 
<laughs> come and bail him out. But it was dark and it was late in the night. And when we tried calling him again, his number was not going through. So it was here the next day that I now called. That they told him that he had to sleep there at their, at, their, at their station because he couldn't give them any money. So they said they won't allow him to go. So he had to sleep there. That it was the next morning that I was not allowed to go. Him too, well, they didn't rough handle him. And they didn't actually collect any money from him. But they made him sleep in their, in their station. So, but aside that, I've not had any other rough experience. Oh, oh.